0: Hello and welcome to Finding Perfect Property, Diary of a Buying Agent. I am your host, Camilla Dell. I've worked in the London residential property market since 2002. In 2007, I founded Blackbrick, a Mayfair-based buying agency, assisting buyers to find and secure the right property on the best possible terms. We've assisted over 500 clients to successfully purchase over a billion pounds worth of property. And over the next few episodes, I'll be sharing insights into the world of buying agents and introducing you to our little black book of industry contacts professionals at the top of their field who will be sharing their top tips on how to purchase property the right way. I'm thrilled to welcome Richard Northey to our podcast today. He is the Managing Director of the Education Consultancy, one of the UK's leading education consultancy companies. Richard works with British and international clients, with children from embryo to 18 who are seeking entry into the top nurseries, day and boarding schools in the UK. With over 15 years experience, including over a decade of running his own company, Richard has worked with a range of schools and nurseries throughout the UK and is the go-to education consultant for many family offices, high net worth individuals and private banks. Welcome, Richard. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on to Finding Perfect Property today. We're we're really glad to have you. Great, thank you very much
1: indeed for inviting me. It's great to join you here today.
0: Education is such An important subject, Um, and we're recording this episode in August, so I know for a lot of families, um, they've just received their A-level results, so it's an interesting time for other families, like my family, my daughter's just about to go into year six, so we've got the dreaded 11 plus coming up there's all sorts of stages and, um, and stresses, I guess, that families go through that you that you see in your, in your role. But um, how did you end up consulting on what is probably one of the, the most important choices that a parent makes? I had a bit of a
1: strange pathway into this. Uh, I used to be in investment management in private banking, and I was actually having interviews with Goldman Sachs. And whilst I was having those interviews with Goldman Sachs, my housemaster from school, Invited me to come and help him. His role was helping relocations of senior executives of banks When they come to the UK in that regard, I thought it was quite a useful networking opportunity to help with him And actually get a little bit of understanding of this market I stayed with him during the financial crisis, but actually in 2011 I decided to set up by myself as I wanted to offer something a little bit more personal a little bit more bespoke Mm. and just combining the private banking experience along with the education side so that families have a little bit more of a bespoke solution yeah when it comes to education
0: wow that's um that's an interesting route into what you do so are are a lot of your clients families that are are referred by private banks or work in private banking absolutely so i'm very
1: lucky to work with a range of private banks because relationship management is very an important element within the private banking world. Mm-hmm. They may have the conversation with clients when they're moving countries, or even they may even say to them, I'm pregnant. Um, how does the future look? We may be moving areas. We may be moving house. They may be having conversation about mortgages and such like with their private bank. In that regard, when you're working with high net worth or ultra high net worth families, you want to be able to say yes more frequently than you say no. Yeah. So with myself, preparation is always the key. And that's why I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of pregnant mums, because there are certain schools that you need to register with on the day of birth mm-hmm. to maximise your chances of place. There are nurseries where you may need to register prior to birth, yeah. but most of the schools tends to be day of birth onwards. And that's where for families to know how the market looks, know what their solutions in terms of education may look like, and also just giving them a pathway for the future mm. so, so they don't miss deadlines, but they want that tailored approach for what works for them.
0: Yeah, fascinating. This leads me on, I think, really well to my, my next question, which is why do you think the UK system, schooling system, you know, if you're having to register before birth and crazy things like this, what, how can our system be so attractive? Why is it so attractive given it's so fiercely competitive and stressful? I think it's
1: quality of education. I think as a lot of families know around the world, the UK is known for the quality of education at the university level, but at the school level. I've had so many families over the year who have have wanted British schools and then potentially US colleges. Mm -hmm. So it can be a pathway towards another system, but also it's an English speaking system. It's a system whereby it's not just about academia. It is also about extracurricular activities because these extracurricular activities help each student develop themselves as an individual. So therefore drama, sports and music are an integral part of the educational experience. And that's where you do have a lot of say prep schools, which do prepare the students for the next stage. So it's that refining process whereby each child finds their right fit in terms of the academic level, but also if they're stronger in sport, if they're stronger in music. So it's the help and the perception that the UK system, particularly when it comes to education, is a worthwhile country to move to, and that's what attracts a lot of international families. But also in the UK, a lot of British families do consider the best options for themselves, and also they consider education a worthwhile investment.
0: Mm. Moving on to sort of timing, I think t- timing is obviously crucial when it comes to education. We've seen a number of clients searching the property pool at the same time as the school pool, sort of doing things simultaneously. Is that the right approach? What do you think should come first, finding the right school or finding the right house?
1: In an ideal world, I will always say find the school first. Yeah. <laughs> the reason being, probably doesn't make me popular, um, but it's the reason that hopefully families can find the right school and then a property which is in walking distance. Mm-hmm. Because when you join a school, you're joining a community. Yeah. And in that regard, to have friends who are close by, to have a short commute on a daily basis. You know, if you've got a four-year-old, you don't want to be driving half an hour across London. Mm. And also just weekends for playdates, birthday parties, etc. If you're half an hour away from a school, it's possible other families may be half an hour the other side of that school. Mm. So therefore, it's a little bit harder for you to get to know other families, for the children to see their friends, Mm. so therefore knowing your school options nice and early and ideally you can coordinate Mm. both so that for families to actually know here are the schools that you're potentially looking at and having a focused approach with say three or four different schools, Mm. but also to know whether the the area is viable in Mm. terms of properties. Can a family find the types of properties they're looking for? Mm. Is their budget acceptable for that area? can they find a house with a garden? So as you can imagine, as the child gets a little bit older, they're more likely to want a garden. Mm. Um, In addition, I've been speaking to families whereby they said to me, we lived in Marlebone before, we were single then, but now we're looking up towards Hampstead, because of course, now with a child, they need an additional bedroom and such like. So the property is an integral part there, but to ideally find a school which works with their future aspirations and feeds into the schools that they are potentially interested in in the future. Mm. It's it's a coordinated approach between the two.
0: Yeah, good advice. Richard, recent research published in Show House has shown that living close to one of London's top private schools carries an average house price premium of 29%, but in some cases this can be as high as 121%, for example, in the W1 postcode in London, do you think that these astronomical house prices of living close to your school are deterring certain parents rather than attracting them?
1: I think families are always very conscious about house prices. And of course, when it comes to state schools, the location of your property is much more influential. There are a few fee paying schools where your location will determine whether you may be more attractive for a place mm. but particularly for state schools if you live close to a state school it will maximize your chances you know, take for example fox primary which is known in london i think the catchment area is 100 yards wow so in that regard you have quite a significant premium on properties in that area yeah but in addition you do get families who, as i mentioned before want to live as close as possible, they want to walk to school, they want to see their friends, they want to, particularly they're moving countries, they may not have friends in that area or in the country. Mm. So they get to know other families through the school. Mm. So to be able to walk to school, to have your child having a short commute, for your children to see their friends, for the parents to make friends locally as well, is all very attractive. I don't think at this moment families are necessarily deterred, but I think families are always quite price conscious. Yeah so in that regard if you're dealing with an ultra high net worth family Mm. they're lucky enough to not be so influenced but i think a lot of particularly british families i've seen have moved a little bit further out of central london Mm. whereby they used to look at notting hill but Mm. they're now looking more towards brook green chiswick so Mm -hmm. they're going a little bit further in that regard Mm -hmm. but also over the pandemic i've seen so many families just say we want a different lifestyle so therefore historically they would look at surrey
0: Mm. berkshire Mm. and
1: i've seen more going to oxfordshire hampshire sussex so people are going further afield
0: yeah
1: because they may be able to afford a larger house in those areas and they may not be commuting into the office five days a week they may be doing it four or three yeah but in london Hampstead is always popular yeah the traditionally affluent areas tend to have the fee paying schools yes but some families can be slightly priced out. And certainly I hear availability is a little bit more tricky at the moment.
0: Yeah. Talking about sort of pricing, um, you know, given the world we're living in at the moment, high inflation, private schools, both primary and secondary are bound to be putting up their fees in the not too distant future. You know, it's it's expensive anyway. I mean, private education costs minimum really 15,000 pounds a year and more um you know for boarding schools you're looking at 40,000 pounds a year or more and so for a family of three kids potentially you're looking at an investment of somewhere between half a million to a million pounds which is significant do you think that this might drive families to consider more state school options particularly primary state schools which i'm hearing in in some parts of london actually offer Better education than the private
1: primaries. I think the quality of the primary schools in London can be very good. Mm. You can be very lucky. You can move into a a good area. You can get some really great primary schools. The only issue there is the quality of the secondary schools can be a lot more variable.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's where you're competing against children who have been prepared, say, for the 11-plus exams since the age of four. So it's always looking at the future, which is so important for a lot of families. Mm. You mentioned £15,000 a year. You're doing well in London <laughs> if you're being charged £15,000 a year. They're yeah. usually sibling discounts, yeah. but they're not that significant. Yeah. Quite often, you'd be paying, say, twenty, maybe £22,000 a year. And then, of course, you've got uniforms, trips, etc. on top. Yeah. And even some of the most expensive ones, like the American school, mm. can be £33,000 a year as well. Mm. So you're looking at some of the ultra-high net worth families who are looking at these schools mm. in particular. Outside of London, I think a lot of the surveyors, lawyers, for, you know, professionals have been priced out of mm. the fee-paying schools, unfortunately, mm. because you mentioned that a boarding school is forty or £45,000 a year, but yeah. that's net, yeah. so in that regard, you've got obviously tacked on top, but you need to be earning a significant amount of money, yeah. but I know that even some schools are writing to old pupils, particularly British pupils, saying, would you like to send your children here? Because they're, they're very conscious about international families joining the school and they're welcoming to them. But ultimately, international sorry schools want to have a British school with an international cohort rather than going too far mm. in terms of being an international school yeah. with some British pupils. Yeah. So I think even some schools like Brighton College do have different sets of pricing for UK and non-UK applicants. Interesting. So, some schools are quite conscious about mm. their cohort, mm. and also it just is their ethos because, again, the families around the world are wanting a British education. Mm. It's an English speaking environment, mm. they want the traditions, they want everything that comes with a British school, and therefore they want to encourage British families to apply. Mm. So, I think they are becoming a little bit more aware that. You mentioned that fees normally go up by 5% per annum, mm. but obviously with inflation as it mm. is, it's probably going to be more than that. Yeah. So it's a really significant investment for any family. And yeah. there has always been the element of state to late.
0: Yeah.
1: And I wouldn't be surprised if more families are thinking about that concept Yeah. just to save for a number of years before going on to a fee-paying school yeah. and having that preparation for 11 or 13 plus.
0: Yeah. I want to move on to talking about sort of the ne- the next stage um, so universities there's been quite a lot of press recently um, when it comes to the Russell Group universities but also Oxford and Cambridge are under a lot of pressure to accept more um, a higher intake from state schools And there's interviews with heads of certain schools saying that because of that, some of their brightest students are now choosing to go to university in America because it's become so tough to get places at Oxbridge in the UK because the universities are now trying to take more and more and more children from state schools. What do you think the impact of that trend is going to have on, you know, whether you actually choose to send your child to be privately educated if ultimately the state schools are now being preferred by Oxford and Cambridge.
1: I have actually seen that over the last few years. So I've seen more and more families looking to apply to US colleges. Particularly, I get families at 11 or 13 plus looking to see whether their senior school offers the IB diploma. Because I don't advise on colleges um, or US colleges or UK universities, but the people I work with have said taking the IB can be more attractive towards US colleges because it's closer to the American liberal arts program. Mm And in that regard, if families feel that they're not going to stand an equal chance of getting into Oxbridge or Russell's Group University, they may as well put all of their effort getting into a US college where they may be a little bit more welcome, to be quite honest. Mm. And it's focusing upon what is viable for that family. They're expensive in terms of US colleges, but the benefits of the British education system are still there. Mm. In terms of generally smaller class sizes, in terms of a generally a higher academic level, but especially more in the way of extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. So it's helping each student find their character, find their talents, and you don't get this to the same extent in a state school. Mm -hmm. And of course, the state schools tend to be much larger schools, particularly at the secondary level. Mm -hmm. So children, particularly if they're a little bit more shy, they can get slightly more lost. In that environment Mm. and therefore families do think that british fee-paying schools are a worthwhile investment Mm -hmm. in getting the best out of each and every child there are some great state schools out there but again you need to be living in the right area to potentially get into one of those yeah so it's just obviously that's so influenced by influenced by the property yeah but therefore if you're in an area where the senior schools aren't so strong academically aren't so focused towards your child's talents, you have more options if you go to a fee-paying school, whether it's boarding, whether it's day, because you're not so restricted by location and proximity.
0: Yeah, that's true. You must have seen a lot of challenging situations over the course of your career. I think working uh, with high net worth families is always is always really interesting and fascinating and, um, and does come with its challenges. Certainly as buying agents, we see it all the time. What are some of the most challenging situations you've seen over Mm -hmm. your career obviously without naming names yes (laughs)
1: um a lot of my job is expectation management in that regard um when grades aren't as strong as families would like them to be or they're a bit surprised that schools don't hold places just in case somebody comes to the uk at the last minute so for example i've had families who've come to me in august wanting september places and a few years ago, I had a 14-year-old boy, The family approached me uh, with a very influential family, and they wanted places at Westminster, St Paul's, Dulwich, Herodian, or King's Wimbledon. And I asked for his date of birth, his level of English, and his school report. And I was provided with a school report whereby he was a straight D student. Oh, dear. And <laughs> my job is not as a yes-man. My job is to basically say to a family, I can help you but unfortunately none of these schools will take an application any further Mm. because it would just be the wrong fit Mm. for him and my reputation is just as important with my clients as with the schools Mm. so for me to approach a school with a straight d student when i know he wouldn't pass the exams and i can't say to the school i've got a phenomenal candidate for you because he just wouldn't cope with the curriculum even if he were to get in yeah it's it's that element of finding the right fit for each and every family yeah but even on the other side i've had situations whereby i've had a boy who put his feet on the headmaster's desk during an interview and the family didn't think that was unacceptable (gasps) but the headmaster definitely did think that was unacceptable oh my goodness or simply a four-year-old had an assessment and he did not want to talk to a single adult that day
0: which is fair enough.
1: Which is. It's kind of
0: ridiculous to assess four-year-olds. It is tricky. It is, <laughs> as you can imagine, it can be a
1: case of, do they have a cold? Are yeah. they in a good mood that day? Yeah, so... which is
0: why we love the non-selective schools, <laughs> which you very kindly helps me with. Oh, those are great stories, Richard. I want to talk a little bit about the u.s connection with the with the uk in uh, in one of my recent uh, podcast episodes i interviewed the head of london and Capital's u.s family office about the trials and tribulations of american families when coming over here and buying in the uk and obviously there's a big trend at the moment um for u.s families coming here and i know that you've recently spent time um over in the states meeting with with people what do you think is the big pull i mean obviously america's got some great universities, Ivy League over there. So what is it, do you think, that's pulling US families to want to come here and educate their children here when they've got a pretty good system over there?
1: I think a lot of them are influenced by their companies in particular. So you're seeing a bit of an exodus from California. And these are families, particularly in financial services or fintech, Mm. who are coming to the UK. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those families are looking at Texas, Florida, possibly New York, but London is definitely benefiting there. Yeah. In that regard, it's always a little bit tricky for families coming from the US. As you know, we've got set entry points. Mm. So four, seven, eight, 11, 13, and 16 mm. are set entry points in the fee-paying system. Mm. And so much is about preparation for that, exam practice, make sure the curriculum is as close as possible. Particularly in London, a mm. lot of the schools at the junior level, so below the age of 11, they're used to pupils moving across from the US system. But they're still looking to make sure that these candidates will do well in their 11 or 13 plus exams because the prep schools build their reputation on where they feed into so they need to make sure that the pupils can cope with bridging the curriculum differences because in the us you actually start at the age of five in the kindergarten class whereas we start at the age of four so immediately you see there's one year's difference there yeah in addition candidates looking at state schools or in the us they call them public schools you move to an area in the UK, U.S. and your taxes go directly to the school and you are entitled to a place in that state school. Interesting. So for U.S. families suddenly finding out you've got to have a property lease or purchase deeds before you can apply to the council for your state school place Yeah. and you've got to be physically resident in the property before you can apply Yeah. and then if your child is five and above you are entitled to a state school place but it is not necessarily going to be your closest school Mm. you can join the waiting list for your closest school Mm. but you can't say i am guaranteed a place into that whereas of course in the us you choose your area according to the quality of the schools
0: Mm.
1: and you're entitled to a place there so families suddenly finding out this difference in the system difference in the curriculum can be quite tricky yeah. coming from the US obviously they speak English which is yeah. great but it's just that element whereby it's bridging the differences yeah. and finding the right fit for the children
0: Yeah.
1: so they've got to know their options I was even speaking to a family a couple of weeks ago who were already looking at 2023 September 2023 entry yeah. into the American school Yeah. so families are thinking that far ahead yeah. so they can't actually start the application yet but they are thinking to themselves what are our options looking like yeah. and where do we apply to
0: interesting and other than americans what trends are you seeing at the moment from sort of international families well i presume there's been a complete drop off in russians coming over yes. yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah what are the what are the trends you're seeing at the moment
1: um more indians so indians who are potentially coming directly from india yeah. or potentially to be via dubai
0: okay
1: uh the good thing is lots of the indian families speak english and they play cricket yeah. which makes them quite popular with british schools
0: yeah
1: also some brazilians So they're coming over, they may be in an American school Mm -hmm. in Brazil. So again, it's the level of English, which is always quite influential here. But of course, the one issue with Brazilians can be that the school year follows the calendar year. So when they come here, they may need to go back a year because they may not jump half a year ahead. Mm -hmm. So it's just a little bit tricky to see where is the right fit for Mm -hmm. each child. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, the older a child is, the more complicated it can be getting into the British system. Yeah. There are other nationalities. I'm starting to see Europeans starting to come back. Now, I had a conversation a little while ago with a French gentleman who said he left because of Brexit, mm-hmm. but he said that it didn't turn out to be anything near what he had expected, mm-hmm. the doomsday scenario. Yeah. And now he was looking to see whether it may be viable to come back. Yeah. A lot of families are looking to exit Hong Kong, particularly British expats. I haven't really seen very many Hong Kongers yet, but I'm starting to hear of a few looking to make the move. Yeah. So that could be an interesting trend whereby, particularly for families in financial services, unfortunately, Hong Kong has just disappeared as a location and there is an exodus going on. Yeah. So I think with the historic links between London and Hong Kong, particularly in financial services, but even generally... Even when I was at school, which is far too long ago, we had loads of kids over from Hong Kong who educated in boarding schools here, mm. and with that historic association, mm. families may well send more of their children to boarding schools here before they make the move themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've definitely see- we've definitely seen that, particularly with clients from Asia, because it is a big, it's a massive move over, yeah. um, and so they often buy pied-a-terres but mm-hmm. continue to, to to live and sort of come back and forth. I want to talk about choices sort of currently going through this process myself with my 11 year old and we're looking at both day schools and boarding schools there just seems to be so much choice um and it's a minefield yep. if you're a parent and you can't afford necessarily you know to work with an education mm-hmm. specialist like yourself what sort of what, what would your advice be where are the sort of the potential resources one can go to to look at you know just to get some help on What you should be doing and where you should be looking because it's just like the list could be endless i mean i literally could have spent the best part of the last two years going around looking at potential schools for my daughter that's how many there are
1: yeah i think my advice is always do your research Mm. and in terms of doing your research if you're in a prep school speak to your prep school head yeah because they are the best people to guide you upon the senior schools they know your child in terms of academics they know your child in terms of extracurricular activities And they want to find the right fit school for each candidate. Mm. And also, it's their recommendations, their references, Mm. which will be a determinant in the success at senior level. And they've done this for many years. They've done this successfully for many years. They want to get them into the best possible school for them. So, in addition, go and visit the schools to actually walk across the threshold look at the interaction between teachers and students especially look at the oldest pupils in the school mm-hmm. and think to yourself do i want my son do i want my daughter turning out like that mm-hmm. because in a school a child is molded mm-hmm. by that school and quite often in a senior school the oldest pupils the upper sixth formers will be the ones leading the tours so for you to have the ability to have a conversation with them for you to feed off their experience and the types of pupils you meet yeah could be really influential Yeah, but it's just don't go mad you know don't go and visit 20 different schools because it always gets a little bit confusing also if you go and see five or six different schools do try and take notes because if you're seeing a number of schools particularly over the if they're over an extended period of time yeah you may get one confused with another yeah Even if you see one school and think, that's brilliant, that's absolutely what I want, you need to have backup options. Yeah. Because just in case things don't work out on the day in terms of exams or interview, you need to make sure you have a tiered strategy. Mm. So look at their websites, do your research yourself, go and speak to other families as well. So other families who may have children in your current school, or say to the school themselves, is it possible for me to speak to a current family Mm. for their experience? So just collate all of the information and see what works for you. It's great if friends make recommendations, but make your own decision.
0: Yeah. Good advice. Really good advice. Next question is probably a little bit controversial. Okay. When you sort of listen to what certain entrepreneurs um, have to say about the education system in this country, and I'm thinking people like Richard Branson, and then there's the dragon from the Dragon's Den, Mm -hmm. Stephen. I think he dropped out of school Um, because he was busy sort of setting up three businesses there's examples and often some of these entrepreneurs have had learning difficulties Mm -hmm. you know whether that's adhd or dyslexia or whatever it is they sort of they feel completely let down by the british education system but nevertheless they've gone on and become hugely successful do you think that the british education system is due for massive shake-up and reform does it not seem quite dated
1: i think it is constantly reforming I think it's one of those things whereby it does bring in best practices. And we are seeing more schools offering the IB diploma, for example, very few schools offer the IB at a younger year than the age of 16, but they have seen that some pupils work really well in the international baccalaureate diploma qualification. The reason being it encourages students to think for themselves, to do research for themselves and to have the inquiring mind which the IB requires. Now, some schools do look at the IB and they've decided that it's not for them. So they may want a slightly different path. So that's why the pre-U qualification, which is an alternative to A-levels, has been brought in at them. But it, it's just more a case of seeing where the changes may be. You know, we've seen more in the way of pastoral care. We So therefore, you know, when I went to school, um, there were some schools which didn't have carpets didn't have heating so nowadays partial care is so important it's so influential in making sure a child is happy and only in a school where a child is happy will they fulfill their individual potential yeah and it's trying to find the fit so it's the case of finding the extracurricular activities which work for them the sports the drama the music but also making sure that they're keeping up with times because the competition is out there. Mm. You've got schools which have obviously been set up in terms of international schools around the world. You've got some great schools, for example, in Hong Kong. Um, You've got Kellett, you've got German Swiss. You've got schools like Dulwich setting up around the world. So you've got the franchises which do go out there, but these are still British schools, Mm -hmm. which are franchises. Mm -hmm. So the names mean quite a lot in terms of the British system. But you also get the families who think, I may be in the franchise around the world, but I still want the original. Yeah. And families do come to the UK, again, for the quality of education, but also even for the networking, because they get to meet other families from around the world. It's an interesting base. It's an interesting springboard mm-hmm. onto university, onto US colleges, but it's the all-round experience that they get. Yeah. So I think it's an enduring element, but you are even seeing some schools which have been quite traditional, so, but they're changing as well. So, for example, Charterhouse is moving to fully co-ed. So, you're seeing different schools not necessarily just sticking to this is who we are and we will never change. Mm. Winchester is taking girls into the sixth form, but day girls into the sixth form to start with. Mm-hmm. So, you're seeing a lot of the traditional schools which are adapting with the times mm. and adapting with the markets and the world as it is at the moment.
0: Yeah so Um, hopefully it will continue to be good question good good answer to a a difficult question since you brought up co-ed i think this is a really interesting one my girls are both um, at primary school and they're in a uh, all girls primary school at the moment and um and it's quite it's quite a difficult dilemma i think for a lot of parents when choosing the next school what do you go for you know do you stick with single sex education is co-ed the future what are your thoughts on that
1: i don't think there's a right or wrong Answer in that. I do tend to find that obviously, if you go to a single sex prep school, you're more likely to feed on to a single sex senior school, basically because you've got the aptitude towards single sex. But it can change. So, for example, it's finding that right fit, it's knowing your options, it's knowing the quality of school as well. And also, it's a case of seeing when a school starts. So, for example, I've seen so many schools, particularly boarding schools, which have bought up prep schools, because if you're in an all girls prep school in London, which goes to 11 Mm. and you're wanting to go to Wellington or Charterhouse, where do you go between 11 and 13? Mm. So obviously Wellington has Eagle House where you can potentially board between 11 and 13.
0: Mm.
1: Charterhouse have bought up Edgeborough. So, again, to bridge the gap between 11 and 13, Stowe have bought up two schools. Rugby have bought up Bilton Grange. Mm. So, schools are aware of the bridging. Yeah. Girls' system is more 11 plus focused. Yeah. Whereas a lot of what were the traditional all boys schools, which may have converted to co ed, are 13 plus. Yeah. So, it's just understand the differences there. A lot of families, if they've got a boy and a girl, would naturally prefer co-ed because logistically it makes more sense yeah drop off pick up etc it's always more attractive there but you do find as well a lot of schools there will be a similar single-sex school so if you're going for a boy's school there will be a girl's school close by so it's that combination but again Mm. When you're purchasing a house, it's knowing what the commute can be like to each of those schools. Mm. And, of course, ideally obtaining places in yeah. those schools. Yeah. So it's knowing your local options there. What is the commute like? But families do want, particularly certain nationalities, do want co-educational. Because single sex is quite a British element. Mm. So they're not necessarily used to it. And as a number of families said to me, it's not the way of the world. Mm. But I've had clients t- who've said to me before... There is no way on earth I would ever send my child to a single-sex school. I persuaded them to go and have a look at a single-sex school. And thinking of one particular client, they actually said to me, that single-sex school is now my favourite school. It's again doing your research, making your opinion based upon crossing the threshold, seeing the interaction of students, Mm. seeing the facilities. Mm. But it does tend to be that girls are stronger academically at a younger age because they develop faster whereas boys it varies upon the individual student but they do flourish a little bit later quite often yeah so in a co-ed environment you sometimes get the girls who are a little bit more studious but they can be a little bit more hesitant on putting up their hand too frequently particularly the boys can tease them on that so again the pace of the school can vary but each single set school offers a pace which works for that sex But it's just thinking about what's right for you as a family. Mm -hmm. There is no right or wrong answer. Mm. It's just go and do your research, see your options, Mm. see what you would feel is right for your child.
0: Mm. Yeah, good advice. Really good advice. Where are you seeing, you know, schools come in and out of favour? And, you know, you've got some years where, you know, it's all about Eton and then suddenly Eton starts to get a bit of a bad reputation because our Seem to be ex-prime minister went there and things like that w- what are you seeing trend-wise at the moment what would you say sort of the, the most popular senior schools are at the moment for day and boarding
1: i would certainly say brighton college is very popular at the moment yeah particularly when a school hits a league table
0: mm-hmm. you
1: get a lot of people around the world who look at league tables and just think i want to my child to go there because it will maximize their chances of going on to oxbridge u.s yeah. colleges They don't necessarily have the ability to go and research and go and visit them so easily. So naturally, they narrow down their list based upon a league table. Yeah. You get, obviously, other families who may think, I want Eton because of who might be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're obviously thomas's battersea is quite popular for that reason at the moment Um, and you get other families who may think in terms of locations because obviously if you're buying a house you know historic family locations in london Hampstead, you've got dulwich which is quite a popular location wimbledon again these are all good areas for good schools and they're on your doorstep where i'm going to be brutally honest areas like islington tend to be a little bit more challenging it may be great for for housing but it's much more challenging for schools yeah. You know, as schools have investment, as schools have certain people go to them, that can create popularity. Yeah. And it's whether the media pick up upon that. But I think in that regard, look to see what is right for you. Just because a school is popular, it can make it more challenging to get into. But also, there may be a better fit school elsewhere. Mm. And some example, Charterhouse at the moment, because it's going fully co-ed, naturally it's going to become more popular with families with girls because they haven't been able to send their daughters mm-hmm. there potentially in the past mm-hmm. so therefore so it just varies in accordance to what is right for each family mm. but i think follow your own path rather than necessarily going where the... you're influenced
0: yeah we always like to end our podcast sort of asking the person that we're interviewing for their top top tips. Yep. So Richard, your top tips, it could be one tip, yep. could be two, whatever you fancy really, for families considering the UK education system, what would they be?
1: Uh, my mantra is always about preparation. So preparation when it comes to making sure you don't miss any registration dates, making sure you know your options, making sure that if you're going for assessed fee-paying schools, tutoring, particularly in English and maths, mm. exam practice, interview preparation. And this is where I say to a lot of families, get them to write down, so get the people themselves to write down their talents, their interests, their favourite subjects, and then the parents themselves sit down with them and get them to talk about themselves. Because how often does a child talk about themselves in a fluid, fluent, and relatively succinct manner to an adult? And then getting friends who they know or relatives to do the same. And then even if you've got work colleagues, move them out of their comfort zone. So a work colleague who they may not have met before, get them to do that interview. Because at some point in time, they're going to have an interview at a senior school with an adult they don't know, and it's a make or break situation. Hmm. But when you do it with somebody where it's not a pass or a fail situation, it's quite good for that practice. But I would say throwing it an absolutely random question as well to get them to think on their feet
0: yeah.
1: because otherwise they become a little bit too robotic. Yeah. So these are the sort of basics to make sure that they know what their options may be and ideally do it as early as possible.
0: Yeah, preparation. Yeah. Really good advice. <laughs> so much for tuning in to finding perfect property today and thank you to richard for joining us for more information about how to purchase property in prime central london please get in touch via our website and don't forget to like and subscribe on whichever podcast channel you use to listen see you next time